Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Sully Chidori. Sully is the CEO of Writer Army, which is a company that specializes in inbound content marketing, marketing automation, and SEO growth strategies for startups as well as established firms. Today, we'll talk about Sully's professional journey and we'll give you some amazing tips to kickstart your SEO efforts for 2023. Very excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. Sully, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic, De Niro. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Now, I ask every single one of my guests to tell us what they were doing before they became entrepreneurs. So what is your story, Sully? So my story is I kind of started in the content marketing world, and I was a consultant as a copywriter and a content marketing consultant for a few years. And then I went to work for a startup in Seattle that does medical certification. I was kind of their COO and director of marketing. So I was juggling a lot of different things, mm-hmm. uh, liked some parts of it, didn't like other parts of it, having to work for somebody full time. And it wasn't that that was kind of the the spark for me to start my own thing, which was Writer Army. And uh, after I left that company, I did some freelance work for about three years before I started Writer Army. But yeah, it was definitely, you know, kind of being in the full-time grind and wanting to have something of my own, wanting to build a team, build a, uh, you know, a service that clients could appreciate and something that we could uh, grow and scale. That's fantastic. And so just like many of our listeners at home started uh, freelancing and now they're building their teams. And because you have done, you've taken the same path, I would love for us uh, to talk about this. Um, Did you do you remember? Let's go back to when you were uh, freelancing and you decided to put together a team. What was the first thing? Uh, that you were looking for? Were you looking for more uh, labor, basically, to 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 multiply your hours, basically, and to get someone else to write? Or were you looking for any other roles? Yeah, so the, the first key at Writer Army is that we had to have a writing staff because the clients have pretty high volume content needs. We try to balance, you know, price with scalability, with content quality, and all those aspects. So, we had to build, we had to quickly build a team of writers. And I was kind of recruiting from all different kinds of channels. Like back then it was like Craigslist and, you know, we got some writers from other, some of the freelance platforms as well. Um, Job postings, just local postings kind of all over the place, referrals. 
And that was the first step, but those were all kind of like project-based people. So they were um, writers that didn't have to have like a payroll, for example. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of, uh, they're on each project and they're paid by project. But mm-hmm. we had to build that team out kind of quickly. And um, th- the second thing is I was the main manager, but that of course you can't scale a company when you're the main content or when you're the main operations person. Yeah. And uh, eventually we did bring in an operations person that helped with um, managing the operations so that I could focus on business development, which was really key for our growth. Absolutely. And I hear this all the time, including, of course, in my business, you know, you can only work so much. And if you're putting all your energy and managing your clients your current clients and your and your staff members, there's really not a lot of time left to do what you need to do, which is grow your business. Um, right now, I actually want to switch gears for a second because we're big in SEO here at the Remote CEO, and uh, our listeners at home are also big in in content. And the some some of them can and have the time to create content, but a lot of them don't. And so, I do want to talk about what you guys offer, and then if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the importance of content. So let's start with um, an, a, a pillar page. I, w- I was actually looking at your website and you guys focus on pillar pages and then you also create supporting SEO blogs. Um, what's a pillar page and and how does it differentiate from uh, supporting SEO blog? Sure. So pillar content is uh, generally two to 3,000 words and it covers uh, one topic in depth. It's kind of like a a main reference for that topic. It's an authority building piece. So you could have the complete guide to solopreneurship or the complete guide to blogging for business and so on and so forth. And these kind of complete guides are uh, a reference point for your audience and they can serve as kind of a central uh, source of information that builds your authority. Mm-hmm. So you want to publish those pretty frequently and Google is starting to favor favor websites that publish these pillar pieces along with supporting sub pillars. Um, the sub pillars are anything from blogs to um, online white papers or any kind of online supporting piece that fits into that main topic. So if you did the complete guide for blogging for business, a sub pillar might be um, B2B blogging or B2C blogging or covering certain industries. So you build out this sort of main topic and then these sub pillars that support it. And then you link back to that main topic, essentially. So link back, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but this is actually gold for, for all our listeners at home. So you would create a, let's say, 2,500 uh, 2, word pillar blog post um, that really covers the majority of or all the important topics about that that specific uh, topic. And then under it, like not on the same page, but as a different blog post, you would post a supporting uh, post and then link it back. To- Correct. Okay. That's and to keep it simple, you would you you kind of break the 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 pillar page up into subtopics, and you go in depth into a little bit because you're not going to go in like great in great detail into all these subtopics. But the blogs, the supporting pieces, the subpillars offer the opportunity to go more in depth, For, okay. and you can kind of elaborate more on any of those subtopics. 
So you're you're kind of you kind of branching off into these pillars, these 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 sub pillars that support the main pillar page, mm -hmm. and going more in detail, and then linking back. And you also want the pillar page to link to those blogs as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, ha having said this, what's going to happen is in the matter of, and if you're doing it correctly. Actually, this is a question that I wanted to ask. How often would you have to post to, to basically tell Google, hey, I'm here to stay and I'm creating good content? I would recommend at least one pillar page per month. And one, one important part of this whole thing is that you're using topics that people are actually searching for. So really good tools for this are like Surfer SEO or SEMrush or Ahrefs or Uber suggests. There's a lot of tools out there that you can use for good keyword research, but you want to, You don't just want to create pillar pages about anything that you want. It has to be something that people are actually searching for, or you think that they're searching for, because even low volume keywords can get traction. Yeah. So when you create these pages, you know, just make sure that they're around topics that are getting volume in your market. Yeah, and yeah. then. I would say at least again one per month, and then like let's say ten supporting sub pillars. Um, that's that's kind of a standard publishing schedule. For more aggressive, I would say two pillar pages plus twenty blogs. Um, the more that you publish, the better. Content velocity creates SEO. It still does to this day. Good mm -hmm. quality content plus velocity, uh, consistency within nine to twelve months, if not sooner, you're going to see traction. You're gonna see traction now. I want to. I want to talk about traction here because our listeners at home are getting excited. You know, uh, I I have I've had a digital marketing agency, a PPC agency for like seven years. Um, I slowly started facing out some of the clients and only kept the big ones that are really making good you know good money uh, with their ads still. But of course, getting free clicks from Google is the best way of <laughs> of getting traffic to your website. Yeah. So when we're talking about traction, Sully, can you tell us what that means? I know every business is different and I know every keyword is different, but what can people expect if they really go all in, they either invest time or invest in a business such as Writer Army, what could they expect um, within six to nine months? Well, we we never make promises in terms of specific results, but we we promise an increase in organic searches or organic uh, traffic. And that's the main goal of it is like you said, to get that traffic that you're not paying for. So the key is, you know, you, you don't expect overnight results with SEO and on the content side, that's one part of it. You also need to be backlinking, which we don't do. We don't really focus on that yet. Um, maybe next year, but um, you know, you need to also be promoting that content, promoting the pillar pieces with, with good backlinks. So that's the other part of the equation. And uh, I would say content is the majority of it, though, because even if you have a ton of backlinks, um, you need to be publishing at that aggressive level. And then within, I'd say within six to 12 months, you can expect, you know, your current traffic, which may be minimal from organic to to increase substantially. So um, how that that percentage depends on a number of factors, like are you ranking for top of the funnel keywords that are high volume, that are informational, that may not be as targeted in traffic. So for us, it's not just about numbers, but we, of course, we want to increase numbers and get more eyeballs on a, on a website, but we, we look at the target, the quality of that traffic as well. So we're trying to mix in kind of 
the less targeted traffic with some people that have high, high buyer intent. And we do that by picking the keywords, basically, that have a, a mix of both. But mm -hmm. websites can benefit from having that constant stream of traffic, even if it's not high buyer intent. When you have a lot of people going to your website, some of those people eventually will become customers and it's good for Google. It's good for your website in general. So, okay. you know, with that consistency, the key is to be consistent for that nine months. That's the hardest thing mm -hmm. is that a lot of companies will pull back on their marketing budget or they just stop publishing because it's so hard. You know, it's just so hard to publish at that level for so long, but that's what you have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, publishing at that level, we're talking about keyword research um, so that our listeners at home understand uh, the importance of long tail keywords and short tail keywords. I mean, um, I'm assuming that pillar content tends to be more of a, like a shorter keyword and then long tail keywords are going to be talking about areas, like you said, about that topic, but they're a bit more in detail, right? You, we can structure it like that. We might structure it like that. It depends. Uh, in some cases, the pillar page may be a long tail keyword if it's a particularly profitable mm -hmm. keyword. And it, it really varies based on the client. So in some cases, yeah, it may be a shorter keyword. And then we we use long tail keywords for the, the sub pillars. But nowadays for us, it's it's also about uh, where, where that keyword sits in the funnel. So if it's a high buyer intent keyword, it might be people Googling reviews of a competitor or re reviews of the company or uh, or like the keyword buy SEO articles is a high buyer intent keyword, for example, for us. Mm -hmm. So that keyword, um, you know, we may do a pillar page about that keyword in general because it's such a valuable keyword. You know, mm -hmm. in other cases, a, a client may just not have a lot of traffic and they may need to create a pillar page around something top of the funnel because they just don't have enough traffic. And we start with that because we want to generate more traffic, more backlinks, so that could be like a reference piece, you know, mm -hmm. for writer army, for example, it would be something about maybe about grammar or about um, a common grammar mistake, something that people could backlink to us about. Yeah. So yeah. it just really depends on the client because we try to publish as many good pillar pages as possible to build authority. And the more authority that you build, the more credibility you build, the more backlinks and the more, ultimately the more traffic. Yeah. So. Makes sense. Another question about pillar page, and then we're going to switch gears real quick. When it comes to pillar pages, you said they're long, but does it something that Google knows about that page and, and it goes, okay, it's a pillar page. Is it just a length? Is it H2, H2 H3 uh, headers? Um, has it to do with, with something else as well? Um, or is it, again, just like the size of the article that matters? Well, it's more about like Google... As far as I know, the algorithm is taking into account many different factors, including the time spent on page, mm -hmm. um, the relevance of the content itself, the originality of it, and a lot of different factors. And so when you have that longer piece, it helps, in our experience, it helps content rank better in general. It's not that you're, you're writing uh, just you know filler information. It has to be helpful, yeah. relevant, readable, broken up with subheadings that have good um well 
making it easy to navigate essentially. And there's there's like there's things like table of contents plugins that you should use if you're going to do a pillar page because it helps the reader navigate it. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, Google takes all of that into account when ranking a page. So with all these navigational elements, along with site speed, having a good site speed so that there's no, um, you know, bottlenecks there for the reader, then that helps the page rank. And then when you when you bring when you bring in these sub pillars that are going more in depth into this um, this topic that the pillar page is covering, that creates a better reader experience. So in general, when you publish content, it's not just for the sake of publishing it, it's to be genuinely helpful for yeah. your audience. And regardless of what that audience ends up doing, hopefully they become a customer, but even if they don't become a customer, if they really appreciate the value that you're providing and how easy it is to navigate your content, you know, they're going to refer you to other people. They're going to backlink to you. Yeah. And Google promotes websites that have this really great user experience. That's what they're all, all about. It's what they've always been about. Absolutely. I think this is an important thing to tell everyone, <laughs> even if you're doing SEO, if you're building your YouTube channel, if you're building your Instagram, TikTok, everybody is trying to game the algorithm. Let's see what the, algori the algorithm is there to, to mimic uh, user intent. So all you really need to do is, is just be helpful. Like you said, this is the one of the most important thing to remember when you're writing something, any type of content on any platform you just need to be generally helpful and engaging and if that's what you do people will definitely read it that means that it's they're going to stay more on the page which means google will know that uh if there's videos the same thing on youtube the longer you watch video the more watch time you get the better it's going to rank so at the end of the day it all boils down to what people want to see and the one to read uh that's absolutely fantastic so again i want to switch gears and again talk about uh your business um you guys are 100 remote right now is that correct that's correct yeah we're 100 remote we always have been so when this whole remote thing happened we were well prepared for it that's fantastic. And one thing that I wanted to talk about is is um, is how to manage a bigger team of individuals and making sure that everybody's on the same page, uh, even when people are like ten or fifteen hours, uh, you know, on the other side of the world. Really, how do you keep culture uh, strong and everybody work together as a unit? That's a great question. That's something that is always a challenge, but it's something that I'm always working on. We use tools uh, for collaboration. Of course, we have Slack. We, we're using Asana. We're venturing into Notion as well mm -hmm. um, to keep everybody on the same page. We have SOPs and all of that. But more importantly, you have to have a lot of of collaboration and we use a tool called uh, an app called gather town which is this fun little um, virtual office hmm. and you have your own little desk and your little character and you can walk up uh, i got this from a ceo a friend of mine from brazil ha hmm. has a startup out there and it works really well actually for remote teams uh, because you can walk up to somebody's desk and start a conversation start a call with them when they're in the office so hmm. even if they're on for like 15 hours a week they can um, they can join the office, quote unquote, and you can have some kind of central meeting place for the whole team. So we've been using that with some some nice results this year. And I think on top of that, you just need to have a lot of video meetings uh, that are relevant, of course, not not overburdening anybody. But 
um, keep everyone engaged and just, you know, in my experience as well, it may not be for everybody, but um, for the people that need to be, they need to be synchronous with you. They need to be in a similar time zone. Like they need to wake, like you're, you're having meetings during U.S. business hours in the day, for example. It's better to have teammates that may be closer in time zone to you. Yeah. Um, we found that with the further that we go in time zone, even if they're a great teammate, they they can sometimes struggle with, you know, waking up at midnight to start work. Yeah. It's just it's just hard for a person to do that. So. Um, if it's asynchronous work, like project-based work, usually doesn't matter. But if it's synchronous work, like sales, then yep. it's really important for them a lot of times to be in a similar time zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sully, it was a great conversation up to this point. I want to ask you if there's anything else that you want to share with our audience, maybe something that's coming down the pike to, that, that you want to let us know about. Well, the most exciting thing potentially will be uh hopefully we're launching a platform um this next few months and we're going to beta test it among our current clients and we're very excited about it um it's looking like it's going to help our clients significantly help the writers significantly um we do have a platform at the moment but it's a kind of a new version that's a lot of bells and whistles so I'll keep everybody posted about that, but that's kind of the next big step for Writer Army, among other things. Nice. And what the, what would the platform do? Um, essentially, it's allowing cl our clients to create projects very easily. So they can upload a Google Sheet or they can create an intake form on all in one place with all the writers there as well. Okay. So that uh, we're eliminating a lot of the current uh, back and forth with Asana and other tools. And it's kind of just, a one central place for all the projects to, to be managed. And so that's kind of what it's, what we're working towards, but we'll kind of see how it goes as we get it launched. So amazing, amazing. And uh, how about the listeners at home that would like to take advantage of, uh, or, or at least they want to check you guys out online to see if we could start working with you to create content and help them with their SEO. Where can people find you guys online? So you can uh, reach me on LinkedIn anytime and our sales team as well. But you can also email us um, on our contact form. If you go to writerarmy.com and click on contact, you can reach out for a quote. You can also book a call directly on the website um, from the homepage. And uh, we're glad to give your listeners a discount as well. So we would be awesome. glad to offer that. That's fantastic. Again, Sully, thank you so much for being at the Remote CEO Show. It was a fantastic call. One of the yeah, most value-packed call I had in the past few months. I'm very excited about it. Um, and uh, awesome. we'll talk soon. Yeah, great to be on the show with you, De Niro. Thanks. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And I will talk to you again soon.